Welcome to the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, the ultimate resource for business success and growth. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm thrilled to be joining you on this exciting journey. Currently, I hold the position of VP and GM of NWS Canada. Additionally, I take pride in being the author of the critically acclaimed book, Never Sit in the Lobby. Throughout this podcast, my mission is crystal clear, to equip you with the strategies and insights you need to not only establish a strong presence in front of your clients, but also to take meaningful action and maintain that position. After all, being a pleasure to do business with is the key to fostering lasting connections in the corporate world. Together, we'll explore the art of not just building a successful and profitable company, but also cultivating a high-performing team that's capable of achieving remarkable results. Whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur, a seasoned business professional, or anyone looking to excel in the world of commerce, this podcast is tailored to help you thrive. If you're eager to be part of the conversation, I encourage you to visit my website, navigate to the podcast section where you can sign up and stay updated and participate in the show. Our episodes typically run for a duration of 30 to 40 minutes, ensuring you get a compact yet insightful dose of valuable information. So get ready to unleash your profit powerhouse potential. Join me on this podcast as we delve into the strategies, stories, and secrets that will drive your success. Remember, your journey to becoming an influential person and prosperous business leader starts right now. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Profit Powerhouse Podcast, your source for exclusive insights into the world of business and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Glenn Poulos, and I'm absolutely thrilled to have you here with us today. But before we dive into today's illuminating conversation, allow me to introduce you to our extraordinary guest, a true game changer in the world of business. Lee Feldman is the Chief Executive Officer and Brand President of Bishop's Cuts Color a unisex hair hair shop franchise with a remarkable 40-plus locations spread across North America. What makes Lee's journey truly captivating is that he didn't just ascend to the top overnight. He's a testament to the power of determination, innovation, and hard work. Lee served as Chief Marketing Officer for Bishops from February 2018 to 2022, where he played a pivotal role in shaping the brand's success before he promoted to the prestigious head leadership role. Without further ado, let's welcome Lee to the show. Welcome, Lee. Well, thank you so much. You've got me pumped up. I feel like anything is possible right now. Right on. That's great. So what? Um, so why don't you just give us a little background on on how you joined uh, Bishops and what got you involved in the in the business and uh, and you know and what you're working on today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's amazing what you just touched on as far as my sort of short bio because I really do feel like it almost was an overnight thing. Um, a blink of an eye, I've now been with this organization for six years. I really can't believe it. Uh, at the time, I was working for a large tech company, and I was offered an opportunity to join. And as I spoke with the then CEO and founder of Bishops, he really talked about how, you know, hair care is something that everyone will need. It's recession proof. It is now we've seen somewhat pandemic proof. And at the end of the day, until, you know, another tech company creates a robot that cuts everyone's right. hair or colors everyone's hair, you really do need people. And so I love that aspect, and I was really excited to learn more. And ultimately, I ended up making the jump from the career that I had over to Bishops. And yeah, like I said, it's been almost six years. Wow. So so correct me if I'm wrong. So uh, I guess you're not a hairstylist by trade. Then you're you're purely a businessman and uh, entrepreneur. You wouldn't uh, want me anywhere near your hair. <laughs> I am not a hairstylist. I'm not a barber. I am not a cosmetologist. But I certainly understand the things that people go through to become that. Um, right. One thing we like to talk about is the number of hours required in most states. 
And it's three times the hours uh, of on the ground, hands-on training to become a stylist in most states than it is to become a police officer. Right. Um, so you might want me closer to being a police officer than you would <laughs> want me doing a, you know, a cut Carrying the scissors. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I've heard that before. I've had uh, friends and, you know, acquaintances that were in the business and I can't remember the number of hours in Toronto, Canada, where I'm from, but I think I remember like 1500 hours or something of uh, sort of on the, on the skill, on the job training after your, after your schooling or some crazy. Yeah, that's amount. correct. Yeah. 1500. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That, that is a lot. And um, yeah, it's a testament to their, uh, you know, to their desire to want to get into the business as well. So yeah, and you are right. It is it is recession proof. I guess there was um, there was some problems during the pandemic, but ultimately people still managed to get their haircuts. And, uh, you know, um, so what's it like running a business with so many locations? And, you know, uh, how have you how have you found that transition to such a disparate spread out business? And what's what sort of challenges have you found yourself uh, yeah, it's one of the things that attracted me, I think, to franchising in general is that you have the idea of something that's really built to spec. But I think there's a lot more sort of flexibility or leeway with a brand like ours because you are providing individualized services. You know, look, if you have a McDonald's, your hope is that that French fry is going to taste the same as it would in Toronto, Canada, as it might be in Texas, where you are today or in Oregon, where I am. You sort of know that the brand standards, the quality, the recipe, those things go into making a uniform experience that's replicated market to market. One of the things about franchising is sort of that expectation. But with Bishops, again, you have that flexibility where you have that individual stylist or service provider or store location that really creates something that is part of the community and the people they serve. And that's one of the things I really liked about Bishops is that ability to really customize the services that are needed in each of our states or locations and each of the service providers and the things that they do for the clients in their chair. Because one thing that might be popular or fashionable in one market might not be in another. And so while we are trying to give you those same sort of French fries at every experience, each individual person is going to put their own unique personal style on that service for you if you are in their chair. And they're going to have you walking away feeling the best about yourself, but ultimately giving you what we believe is the ultimate bishop's experience. Right. So what sort of innovative approaches have you adopted to stand out and expand the franchise? Yeah, I mean, I think the things that really make us unique is sort of not only our brand positioning, is that we are a unisex hair shop. And we say hair shop specifically because people will usually say, wait, don't you mean hair salon or barber shop? But we provide services for any people, however they self-identify, regardless of your gender. And that a la carte pricing piece as well. It's not whether you're a man or identifying as a female or a child. It's simply about your hair and the services you want. So our pricing for a shortcut, a long cut, or a buzz cut are all the same no matter who you are or what age you are when you come in to our stores. Um, I think that's something that's really unique is especially in this vertical and in the marketplace you see currently, a lot of places are leaning in more heavily to one space. And that's sort of where Bishops came to be is we see ourselves in the middle of your sort of high-end overpriced hoity-toity hair salons and definitely steps above your value chain shop shops that really are just seeing you as a number, getting you in and out as quickly as possible. It's a volume play. And for us, it's really about that experience. And so that experience as a hair shop really translates itself as us being absolutely accepting. We are accepting whether you are male, female, non-gender identifying, we're accepting of whatever kind of hair or services you want. The convenience factor that we are a hybrid model in the sense that you can book an appointment online 
or walk-in for same-day services, and that we're really ahead of the trends. I mean, we believe ourselves to be a trendsetter in the beauty industry, really introducing products, services, treatments to things that clients didn't even know were possible, whether that's molecular hair, hair repair or bonding or scalp rejuvenation or simply just gray blending or extensions or line design. We really do it all. And I think that's why we have such a strong foothold in the markets in which we're located. What, what, where are you strongest geographically? Are you spread out all over the U.S. or is there a... a yeah, we're operating in 20 states. So we are in 40% nice. of the country. Uh, we're incredibly pleased with that. We're obviously expanding, but we have a very strong foothold in the Pacific Northwest. That's where we were founded in 2001. So this right. certainly isn't our first rodeo. It's definitely not our second rodeo. We've been doing business for 20 plus years. So Portland, Seattle, and now the Bay Area have become really strong places where people really understand who we are, what we represent as a brand, and they want to open up additional Bishop's location to provide safe spaces and excellent services to all the people in their community. Have you, uh, of course, being Canadian, I mean, my next question's got to be, have you exported the brand to Vancouver, which is not that far, I guess, from from where you are now? And uh... we've actually had a lot of interest in Vancouver and Montreal, you know, okay. in the franchising yeah, those space. Are, yeah, yeah there's obviously obvious. some needs related to the FDD and our yeah. filings internationally. But uh, we've also had interest in Sweden and Costa Rica. We had a lot wow. of interest in the UAE pre-World Cup. Uh, so there's talks about international wow. expansion. Nice. We'll see what we do. Nice. We need to find the right yeah. operators. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, the uh, especially Vancouver. They're so they're very aligned uh, culturally with you know the Pac Northwest um, of the United States, right? Well, so, I should definitely say yeah. that this person is from Richmond, BC, because they were very quick to oh, point okay. out, "Oh, I'm not one of those Vancouver people. <laughs> okay, I'm from right. Richmond." Yeah. Yes, right. It's not that far away, really. But uh, oh, yes. But yes. I understand. I understand the. Uh, the subtleties of what you're saying. There, oh yeah, right? and um, yeah, I'm actually from the uh, I'm from this what we call the center of the world, right? Which is Toronto, right? Where we 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 all seem to think that that's the center of the universe, but um, you know, you're talking to an American about being the center of the universe. Oh, I could never uh, understand that idea. Can't relate that, eh? Yeah, for <laughs> sure. So, uh, have you? What sort of challenges have you come across jumping from tech into, uh, you know, into the hair business? And sounds like the business is very technical. There's a lot of technical parts to the business, but I mean, you know, did you uh, any any challenges that you've had to overcome, or you know, uh, things to learn, or you know, uh, what's it been like making that move? Yeah, I think with franchising in general, it's all about the support that the franchisor can provide to the operator or franchisee. I think my biggest challenge has really just been figuring out sort of the scale and what owners really need. You know, again, we've been around since 2001. We started franchising a little later. We restarted franchising in 2017. So you have stores that are in our pipeline that have already existed for five plus years. And then obviously you have new stores going to market, opening their doors, looking at that runway path. And so figuring out where they are as far as market maturity, staffing levels, what sort of needs they really have to be set up for success, that's been our challenge. Because again, I think most franchise organizations look at everything as far as support uniformly and say, this is what we give, this is what we provide, take it or leave it, this is how it's done. And we really work with our owners to figure out where they are in the life cycle of their business to make sure that anything and everything we're doing makes sense for them financially, as well as their reputation and relationships in their market. Yeah. And I mean, you you did touch on this a few minutes ago, but I wanted to commend you. I mean, it's it's quite obvious in the in the market when you're out there and you see bishops about their 
their unisex approach and that inclusivity and diversity has really become core to your brand and um, the identity and probably, I guess, your success, uh, would you say? Or Absolutely. I mean, I love hearing testimonials from clients that tell us, I found you on a safe space registration and I drove eight plus hours to go specifically to you because I knew I could get the hair services I needed and a place that was judgment free. And that wow. is a core to who we are. I mean, don't get me wrong. We have lots of your traditional cuts, beard trims, buzz cuts, styles, <laughs> you know, the things that you think of when you think about a barber shop or hair salon, again, as we say hair shop. But we also absolutely have the people that come in and say, this is what I want, or I'm thinking about this. My hair is a canvas. Let's experiment. Let's go crazy. I need to feel good about who I am and myself and my own sense of style. What can we do? And they trust our stylist to make that happen. You know, the question I'm most often asked is, why bishops? Why should I go there? Why not to my local spot that charges me 10 bucks for a whack of hair on my head? And, you know, it's <laughs> right. fine enough. And for most male identifying clients, I say, when's the last time your stylist asked you about your halo? And people will look at me like I'm an alien and go, what? I've been getting my haircut for 40 years. No one's ever asked me about my halo. And I said, well, exactly. You're not getting salon level services when you're getting your haircut then. And for those that are probably going, wait, my stylist has never asked me about my halo. It's your right. priorital ridge. It's where the balance of the top and the sides okay. come together. And okay. any real stylist that is excellently trained about giving you an ultimate experience and really making you look and feel the best which ultimately, again, they should be asking you, when's the last time you loved how you look? They should be talking about your halo and figuring out what makes sense as far as length, weight, balance, volume, because you might be like me and you might be hanging on to the hair you have on your head for dear life. And they want to make sure it is styled and looks the best and that you, again, ultimately feel the best about how you look once you come to Bishop's and get one of those services. So I often tell people, when's the last time your stylist, your barber talked to you about your halo? And again, they look at me like I'm crazy. And I say, come to Bishop's, and you'll see and feel the difference right away. Yeah. The, um, yeah, I can tell you, you know, in my 60 years of uh, being on this earth, I don't think that my, and I, I guess I am one of these kind of chop shoppy kind of a guys. Right. But, uh, um, you know, when I, li when I lived down in Niagara Falls near, uh, outside Toronto, I did actually go to a higher end salon. I was there for years and years and I just never, never really found the right place here in the city. I don't know why, but, uh, they've never asked me about my halo. I mean, uh, I'm going to have ah, to, we need to get you to a bishops. Yeah. So, um, are there any in, I mean, you, I told you earlier I was in Dallas. Are there any in Texas area or? Uh, your closest area will be in Austin. Austin. Okay. But we're currently okay, talking well, to some operators that are trying to open outside of Fort Worth. So right. if you know some but, other interested individuals, put me in touch. Yeah. But uh, no, I'll be in Austin soon. So I'll be, I'll definitely be checking it out. So ah, we'll take care of you. Let yeah, me know your dates. That's awesome. And um, so as a CEO, I mean, what are some of the core principles you use for making decisions and, um, you know, uh, in the modern day to these days, right? Like, how, how I don't know, sort of just an open-ended question about core values, core principles, what what part they play in driving the business and, and um, what impact they've had since you've taken over as CEO. Yeah, absolutely. I think the lens through which I look for in regards to the business is really based on the acronym STOP. I look at the situation, the target, the opportunity, and the proposal. 
Um, I will have team members come to me, franchisees come to me, managers come to me. And again, ultimately, as the franchisor, our goal is to act as their aspirin. We want to eliminate any headaches in regards to operations or marketing or really any of the day-to-day things that give them a headache and take that away from them and provide some support. So people will come to me and say, hey, we have this issue. Here's the situation. And I'll tell them, literally, let's stop. Let's talk about what the situation is. And oftentimes we'll see that people won't even agree on the situation. So once we define the situation, we move into the target. We discuss what we're trying to reach, who we're trying to reach, who is the community, who's the person at play, what are the opportunities. And then ultimately, once we review those and align on those, we look at the proposals that are available and how those might impact all of the things we're doing, whether it's from a top line revenue perspective, an EBITDA perspective, average unit volume perspective, a margin perspective, and we'll work through those things together. So I would say the biggest lens through which I look in regards to the business is from stop. Situation, target, opportunity, and proposal. Wow, that's fascinating, and that's a new one for me. I'm gonna I'm gonna look further into that after this episode. That's uh, I love uh, I love you know models like that. And um, um, so, can you share any other lessons you've learned uh, since jumping from CMO to CEO and? Um, what that transition's been like for you, and uh... yeah, I mean, it's been a unique transition. Obviously, as you go from just looking at the marketing arm to then all of a sudden needing to look over art department, legal, finance, compliance, operations, video creation, all these things, working with vendors. The hope is to know a little about a lot of things, and then obviously learn a lot about more of those. But I would say to set yourself up for sec- success. It's really the idea, the concept of sort of, you know, three deep, three wide, three high. Figure out the three people in that department that are doing those things, who's below them that might actually be past the work, who's above them as far as the person you're speaking with to which the work might be passed to. How do you set them up for success? And then ultimately, who are their counterparts that they speak with or report to in other departments or on different teams? And as you get to know the people, you get to know how they operate, you get to know what goals or KPIs they have set. And then you ultimately get to figure out again, related to the STOP acronym, what is the situation? What is the problem we're going to solve? And then once you have the information in front of you, and we are a data-based organization, you really can make decisions together as a team that you all feel confident and moving forward on. Outside of that, I really think the sort of key tenant of transparency is so important in organizations. I think so much is hidden or not involving people to even allow them to be seen or heard as far as part of the decision-making process. And once you open the door to have more people, more seats at the table, you really, as a community, will make those decisions sort of move the organization forward the best. Ultimately, as the CEO, you were the final say, but as you involve the people on your team, again, three deep, three wide, three high, You might have people that actually have boots on the ground. You might have people that are just looking at the reporting. You might have people making decisions related to something entirely different than what's happening to the day of the day in the business. And so once you have all those people again together, you can make ultimately the right decision to move forward as a team. Wow. That's awesome. That's great advice. Um, I mean, how do you balance innovation in the, and, um, you know, in your, in, in a franchise and balance them with your core values and how do you uh, like taking inputs from the stores and uh, is there a process for that? And um... yeah, absolutely. And I love that you asked that. I mean, I, I like to say that if I am reading a case study related to this business, this vertical, we're already too late. We like to be on the ground. We like to be first. And we understand that we have some franchisees that are okay being what they call themselves, the guinea pigs. 
They want to test, they want to learn, they want to optimize. They are process-driven people, but ultimately they are opportunity seekers. And I think that's why they're so successful. They see the chance to be on the front lines, to be there first, to bring whatever innovations they are. And that could be from our tech stack to new products that are introduced to our clients in the chair. And I love that we have a group of people that say, look, I want to try this. Let's figure out what might work and what might not. You know, they call it the nibble testing, the taste testing before they take a full bite. And I think that's so valuable for an organization that's not necessarily trying to be there first, but that's trying to introduce new things into the marketplace. Again, whether it's technology or new products, we know that some things might be requested by future clients and some things might not. But the ability to be quick and agile and roll those things out as they're requested is so valuable. And I think it's one of the reasons why our franchise is so successful. So just just out of curiosity, I mean, does the does the aspiring franchisee of Bishops need to be a like a guru stylist or can they be someone that just has a business savvy at all? I think that's one of the things that actually makes our franchise organization so appealing to so many people. And we have a number of folks that, you know, I think their title would be corporate refugees. You know, they're in management and they're sort of looking for additional resources or revenue streams or things that can really make them excited and ultimately either leave their current business and how they're earning or just have it be as something that they can use as a semi-absentee or executive model where they're only dedicating a little bit of time during the day. I think the things, again, that make us so appealing is that there's really not a lot of tech. Almost everything can be done on your phone. You have a point of sale. You have Excel spreadsheets that you can export. You can manipulate the data, but all of that is set up in the back end. So if you said, I don't want to look over this, you can set it and forget it. There's almost no inventory carried. There's no A&R. Your labor scales with the amount that they're earning or bringing in. They bring in their own tools. And ultimately you really don't need knowledge of the vertical. You can hire a manager to really run the whole show. And then again, as the support that we provide as the franchisor, I know we jokingly say we want to act as your aspirin, There is so much that we do to take off the heavy lifting of your plate. I truly believe we're one of the organizations that provides the most support for our owners. And I mean that related to uh, review management, to asset creation, art direction, the customization capabilities, figuring out things related to cashback rewards, AI integrations. There are a number of things that we do to support our owners and make sure that they can really sit back and run the business as smoothly as possible related to the people, the customers, and their community. Because that's ultimately where we want them to double down as far as relationships. Yeah. How much does uh, location, location, location come into uh, planning when you're setting up new new franchisees? And, oh, it's uh, so market dependent, whether you're walking traffic or driving traffic. But our site selection is certainly a rigorous process. And we're here to assist owners with that. But location, location, location is certainly one of the top pieces that you want to look at when selecting right. a site for a bishop. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. So what's what's the sort of future hold for for either bishops or developments in haircutting and styling that you see coming or, you know, and I mean, everyone's talking about AI. I'm not sure. Has AI touched your your business yet or uh, AI touches the business on the back end, certainly yeah, on sort right. of customer outreach, customer acquisition, review management, review generation, things of that nature. As far right. as technology that's coming into the marketplace, I'm actually really excited about more of the digital perms as far as digital printing. Um, it's where you're able to take a photo, upload it into some software, and then it'll print out that picture on the side of your head as sort of a temporary color. So I think that will be something wow. that we see more in the U.S. marketplace in 2024 and beyond. I love that. That's awesome. 
So how do you personally stay inspired and motivated in such a dynamic and evolving industry? Well, I have four children, so ultimately wow. I am motivated <laughs> by them. Uh, you know, yeah. they keep me going, <laughs> whether yeah. it's early in the morning or late at night. Uh, but I think the idea of motivation really comes for what do you want to accomplish as yourself? You know, I think a lot of entrepreneurs think about their own legacy and they might not think about it related to what they're trying to build as a memory of themselves outside of sort of their own business and earning. And I think for myself, I'm trying to think of my sort of legacy related to the example that I want to set as a work-life balance for my children. And I think I'm motivated by that in the hopes that I can ultimately earn and save enough and put my children in a position where that if they want to change the work-life balance that they saw as an example from me, that they can do so. Um, you know, I, I jokingly say to coworkers, employees, other people I know that are thinking about career changes or lack of motivation, you know, look, every job or every opportunity should either provide earning or learning, ideally both. But if you're not getting one of those at the right time and the right situation you're in, again, I touched on having four children, you should find another opportunity because if they're not providing at least one, you need to change courses. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to you on the children. I have actually five of them. And uh, oh my it's actually a blended family. It's sort of a three plus two model, but uh, but still adds up to five. And it's definitely a handful and definitely does guide your uh, your beginning of your day, the end of your day and many points. And uh, and, um, you know, and some are some are older, some are younger, too. So but um, yeah, oh, it's a blessing. So it is for sure. So what's uh, do you have any sort of, um, you know, sort of your your piece of advice that you like to share with people on these on podcasts and stuff like that someone that's trying to make their mark in the industry maybe they're in a nine to five maybe they're looking to become an entrepreneur um you know and they're they're looking at sort of things you've accomplished and you know you know maybe how to get from here to there or you know any any little valuable uh piece of advice you'd have for people that are looking to make their mark yeah i think ultimately the idea is what purpose does this serve what is it is doing? What is it doing to impact your life in a way in which you need your life impacted? And that could be a financial or non-financial impact. I think there's a lot of ways to dissect that. But I think ultimately the idea of purpose and why you're doing what you're doing is a conversation I have with every potential owner or operator, and certainly a lot of people I know in this industry. Awesome. That's great. And uh, so where would people go to learn more about what you're doing, Lee, and your your company and uh, franchise opportunities and uh, yeah. anything else you want to share with the audience? Please feel free Absolutely. to Absolutely. We're certainly looking for anyone that is open to creating a safe and creative space in their market or another market that they maybe have interest in building a franchise location. They can learn more about Bishops at www.bishops.co. That's B-I-S-H-O-P-S dot C-O. And they can find me through there. My name is Lee Feldman. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's spelled like uh, traditionally a female spelling, L-E-I-G-H, Feldman, F-E-L-D-M-A-N. I hear that all the time where people go, I heard you on this interview. This entire time I've been following your career journey and I thought you were a female. So no offense taken if you write me and say that, but please reach no out. I'm always happy to connect with new people in the industry or others. That's awesome, Lee. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your time here on the Profit Powerhouse podcast. It was great having you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Glenn. I really appreciate it. Safe travels to you and safe travels to your family when you see them over the holiday season. Thank you. Same to you. 
tuning in to another insightful episode of the Profit Powerhouse Podcast. Your support and engagement means the world to us. If you're brimming with expertise and eager to join us, navigate to my website at glenpoolis.com forward slash podcast and go to the Be a Guest section to connect with us. Don't keep this information to yourself. Please share this podcast on your favorite social media platforms to empower your network with the strategies and wisdom you've gained. Your feedback fuels our growth. Please take a moment to rate and review the Profit Powerhouse podcast wherever you listen. Your input helps us to continually refine our content to serve you better. Remember, our mission is your success. We've committed to providing you with the tools and insights to drive your business forward, and we're excited to have you on this journey with us. To stay up to date on the latest episodes, hit the subscribe button, and let's stay connected. Reach out to me on social media and continue the conversation and stay inspired. For resources and information, visit my website at glenpoolis.com. And before we sign off, remember, I'm Glenn Poulos and reminding you that your potential as a business leader is limitless. Thank you for being a part of this podcast where your success story begins.